Welcome to Sky's the Limit with your host, yours truly, Sky Estroff. Hello, Sky's the Limit listeners. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Somehow it is Tuesday, September 26th when I'm recording this. I literally don't know where this month has gone. We are almost in October. We're almost in Halloween season. We're almost in the holiday circuit of just bam, 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 bam. It's Halloween. Then it's Thanksgiving. Then it's Friendsgiving. And that kind of comes before it. And then we're in Hanukkah and, and Christmas and Kwanzaa and family trips. It's just, here we go. Buckle up, everybody. So as you're kind of plowing through the rest of the year, I just want to give you some fun food centric and just cool things I'm thinking about to get you through your days because I know for me I keep podcasts in my ear all the time because I can't really have silence anymore I think that's the point of this reality that we're in you either have to have a fire playlist or you've got to have some sort of inspiring or insightful or somebody talking to you that has something interesting to say and I'm hoping that I have something interesting to say because the things that I've written down I think are pretty interesting for today's conversation um so I have lots of things for you and I guess we should just go on and get into it I first want to start out with a couple updates last time on my solo episode I talked about a couple pieces of food news and I have come back done the research done the work and I have results to share with you so my first update is that I tried the Chick-fil-a new honey pepper pimento sandwich and I have results I have so many things to say about it I did do like a three-minute TikTok where I talked about it and ate it um, and showed visuals of this but if you'd like to visualize through listening to this podcast here we go I tried this new sandwich. I really had low hopes because my algorithm on TikTok had already served me some of these sandwiches. And I was like, oh gosh, it looks a little sloppy. I'm not sure if this pimento cheese is going to come through the way I want it to. I'm scared. Okay. The big things you need to know about this Chick-fil-A sandwich is that I actually loved it way more than I thought and I was not scared of it. It is packaged differently than the original chicken sandwich. It has like a nice almost like casing around it it's in a box and then it's layered in a paper before that too so it's really protecting the integrity of the bun so there's number one you're getting a fluffy non-smushed bun because of the packaging the actual chicken breast that's fried on your sandwich on mine it was almost like a double fry it was extra crispy it was so it was like it was exactly how I would hope that a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich would look, smell, and taste in terms of the breading and um, that extra layer of fry. So I was very impressed with that. My two takeaways with the actual, the new ingredients were that the pickled jalapenos and the pimento cheese were not spread evenly across the buns. It was all kind of centralized into the middle. So you weren't getting those bites until you got to the center of the sandwich that being said i have looked at a lot of videos talked to other family members and friends who have tried the sandwich and they're getting inconsistent takes so let's see all i'm gonna say again try the sandwich tell me what you think 
I thought it was pretty damn good. And props to Chick-fil-A for a new menu item that I really did not think would be good. That was my update to come back with you. And then my other update is that I tried the sweet green poblano green goddess chips and again put it on tiktok if you want to follow me on tiktok at sky's the limit pod i think i have about four followers and i'm doing great but i don't care i just think it's a fun way to share my ideas on there anyways the sweet green chips you can only get this sweet green and siete collab of chips at sweet green or when you order delivery something like that you can't get them in the grocery store is what I'm trying to say. So when I ordered Sweet Green last, I added on the chips and I brought them home. I love a jalapeno chip. I love something with a little pop of spice complimenting with a potato. I was here for it. I got it and I was just, I'd have to say underwhelmed in all things considered. I would say I was not underwhelmed with the branding. I think the branding was beautiful. I loved the colors. The bag was super cute. Definitely appealed to me. But the actual chip in itself, it left something to the imagination. I wasn't, the spice wasn't coming through. It has um, kind of the marketing branding of avocado oil. That's what it's fried in. And they really wanted that to ring through. It just tasted a little oversaturated in oil to me. A little lackluster in terms of spice and the Green Goddess Ranch seasoning on it just really didn't have a kick so I would say I love you sweet green but let's make a different flavor of chip green goddess is kind of a safe choice can we get a spicy cashew chip out there because that spicy cashew dressing is probably doing half of your business so let's get a spicy cashew trip chip in the in the in the factory in the works in the marketing plans because I I think that would be really really great and sometimes I say these things out loud and then it manifests itself so um fingers crossed that we could have a spicy cashew dressing sweet green chip in our future because I think they could execute that a lot better all right two other things um I will be back on good day Atlanta this Thursday sharing some trends so tune in to Fox 5 Atlanta around 10 30 11 a.m on this Thursday the 28th and if you're not in Atlanta you can just go to fox5atlanta.com click watch live and I'll be there sharing some fun things I'm just gonna tease it out and not tell you what the topic is follow Instagram and I'll share updates on there Um, And also, I think it's the last week that my Southern Living issue with my Nini is out. The September issue of Southern Living features me, my Nini, and our, or slash her, Rosh Hashanah recipes. So um, take a look at that. But also, if you're looking for the recipes for mandel bread, party coffee cake, and chocolate meringue cookies, all of those recipes are on southernliving.com now. So you can get them all there. Do you want a dentist that actually spends time getting to know you and your needs? A practice that not only provides regular cleanings, but also excels in straightening teeth, replacing missing teeth, and helping highly anxious patients? Peach Dental is a family-owned practice that does just that. If you're looking for an elevated dental experience, join me at Peach Dental. It's where I go to keep my teeth healthy. 
Dr. Resnick is offering a special discount for Sky's the Limit listeners. Get 15% off teeth whitening and a 10% discount off of their office membership plan. Visit peachdentalatl.com to learn more and book your appointment. Again, that's peachdentalatl.com. Now, let's get into some food news of today. First on my food news docket is there is a new guest shark on Shark Tank who happens to be an inspiring entrepreneur who I've been looking up to for a very long time. Her name is Candace Nelson. And if that doesn't ring a bell for you, does Sprinkles Cupcakes ring a bell? Because that happens to be, that was my, um, what do you call it? Like your gate. Uh, gateway drug to cupcakes gateway I was like gatekeeping no not gatekeeping gateway drug to cupcakes was sprinkles cupcakes she founded sprinkles cupcakes I was just looking this up in 2005 and soon after that they started selling the actual cupcake mixes in Williams-Sonoma and my mom brought one home and was like look how cute this is let's make some cupcakes And anybody who knew me in high school will know I was obsessed with sprinkles. I demanded buying these like $18 mixes of sprinkles because the actual quality of the ingredients was far and above what you were getting in a Duncan Hines mix at the grocery store. It was so incredible. It just inspired this whole journey for me of finding different great cupcakes around the country and baking a lot in high school and then after so Candace Nelson has meant a lot to me in my life and really has been a food um, I guess like entrepreneur mentor from afar so I thought that was huge news for her that she is going to be a guest shark on Shark Tank and the the show premieres this week on ABC and Hulu so I think that's really exciting. I mean, sadly, the sprinkles in Atlanta closed permanently without any notice. Whether I had a bad day or on the converse, I was having a good day or had an occasion to celebrate, I would drop by Lenox Mall, throwback, and go to either that ATM out front, the sprinkles ATM, or go inside and grab me either some mini cupcakes or some big cupcakes and just indulge because that always guaranteed that it would put a smile on my face. I think those cupcakes are excellent. That being said, the ATM was amazing when it was on the facade of the actual sprinkles where they were fresh baking cupcakes on the inside. So the actual um, like inserting of the cupcakes into the ATM was only 20 feet away from the actual baking station. Now they have those cupcake ATMs, the Sprinkles Cupcake ATMs in a lot of airports and other public places around the country. I went to one of, or I saw one in, I believe it was Houston, when I was flying there last year and I was like well I've got to get one yes there's only like seven cupcakes remaining in this entire machine but I just hadn't had a sprinkles in so long now that they left Atlanta I needed to try one and yes I needed to spend like ten dollars on one single cupcake it was probably not my efficient 
my most efficient food purchase of life it was definitely stale it was definitely not fresh baked but it was still so cute and I had so much nostalgia with it um so yeah I that's my thoughts about sprinkles like I think Candace Nelson really started such a an empire and really launched a trend like before cupcakes were a trend what was really trending in the food world I don't know having curated food art it wasn't really a mainstream thing in my opinion cupcakes were the first major food trend that spring sprinkled haha <laughs> food punny um sprinkled from you know the the really high level food connoisseurs of the world to the mainstream sprinkles really introduced cupcakes in a new form to everybody and it started this new circuit of food trends existing and attracting people like through these marketing techniques and the branding of sprinkles making it so cute and feminine and bright that inspired a lot of food branding so in a lot of different ways you know high quality ingredients the marketing and branding the innovation of an atm candace nelson did a lot and has expanded her empire in so many ways since so i haven't watched shark tank in a really long time but i think i'm actually gonna tune in because i think she has a different vantage point than other people she has worked her way up into this industry and beyond and she's an inspiring figure to me in the food world so look her up i i think she's awesome i follow her on instagram and all the things and side note she also owns pisana in la and i'm definitely gonna go there when i go to la in a few months because i i watched it i forget which show featured it it was one of the netflix series and i was like oh my god yum and I know pizza has been done so many ways, but it was really that focus on quality ingredients, the focus on um, having like chef talent of people that had been working in the pizza industry and had a true passion for it, and then also the branding. I mean, what can Candace not do? She's awesome. So tune into that. Okay, this is another thing. Last time I did a solo, I did kind of a PSA. This is more of a... PSA slash question in general about Trader Joe's. We are getting it from all angles here. I'm being inundated with Trader Joe's organic marketing on a social media front of, wow, all the fall flavors are launched. Look how cute this is. All the employees are so nice. The food branding is amazing. And it's so yummy. And I, I have great experiences in Trader Joe's and I like to fill in my groceries from there. I really, my mainstay is Fresh Harvest, the local farm fresh delivery to Atlanta. And then I fill in at Trader Joe's. But on that note, are we concerned? Are we still getting Trader Joe's? Are we starting to have a little bit of a red flag? Are our ears perking up? Because in recent weeks rocks have been found in their falafel metal has been found in their multi-grain crackers listeria 
has been found in their organic tropical frozen fruit selection. And there are a couple other ones that are so disgusting and gross. I don't even want to say because I really don't like when I'm listening to a podcast and they say something gross and then I can't get it out of my head for a while. I know the other things are gross, but they're less visual to me. So I, I'm just... I've recently bought the multi-grain crackers and I'm like, shoot, is there metal in it? I had to check my freezer to make sure my organic fruit wasn't the organic tropical fruit selection. But it's there's something about Trader Joe's that makes me want to trust it because it's such a warm, bright, happy energy of a grocery store and you feel like they're not putting or pouring money into branding and corporate ads and stuff so they must be really having a little a lot of integrity about the food that they're putting out there and I'm not saying they don't but I'm just a smidge worried to be buying groceries from there at this moment in time when I'm not trying to break a tooth with a rock in my falafel (laughs) and I'm not trying to elevate my blood levels with metal in my multigrain crackers so am I just booing this without real reason are other people now you know leaving Trader Joe's and going to a different grocery store can we trust other grocery stores as much where are the people going these days is this a concern what do we think I need to know should I keep going (laughs) It's, it's just very difficult for me to trust corporations to, you know, make sure everything is kosher for us. So, yeah, I just want to know what you think about that. All right. Well, on a brighter note, in a couple weeks, this is, I can't believe I'm really saying this. We, if you haven't heard the news, the Michelin Guide is, has been coming to Atlanta and with their anonymous inspectors trying all this food we have no idea who they are where they've been trying what the status is but we're getting an announcement on october 24th so in less than one month i mean i would imagine somebody's gonna get some star of something some acknowledgement from michelin atlanta's truly being put on the culinary map now there's a lot of different angles of michelin in terms of There's sort of a back pay-for-play system that happens. There's a lot. There's pros and cons of it. It's adding more tourism. Is it spotlighting every demographic of good food? Are these anonymous diners? Do they know anything about Atlanta or the background behind the places that they are critiquing or um, elevating internationally? There, There are a lot of questions in place. But that being said... I did write about Michelin in my e-newsletter in April of this year because I went to a restaurant in San Francisco with my best friend Ariana and her boyfriend Luke and we went to this place Palmette in San Francisco and I didn't know where we were going to dinner. We go there and the experience and the flavors and everything about it was so incredible. I felt so taken care of in all the ways it's just you go to a restaurant and you feel like somebody is giving you that attention care warmth and love through food it was i i just cannot 
Ariana and I talk about it every time we speak, how that meal will forever be one of the greatest meals of our lives. At the time that we went, we had no idea that it was about to be put on the map. A few weeks later, it received Michelin star. And I I don't remember how many stars. I probably should have researched that. But there is a a cachet with it to be able to be associated with Michelin in Atlanta. I'm really, really excited about this. I think there are so many restaurants in Atlanta that are well-deserved, that I've eaten recently or in recent years. And I hope that they get the recognition they deserve. I I don't know. It's just, it feels like something big is coming. So October 24th, countdown, the Michelin Guide is coming. And I also just, because it's kind of an elitist system of ranking restaurants, I wanted to also break down what some of the different stars mean. So you get between one and three Michelin stars. If you get one star, it's high quality cooking worth a stop. Okay, If it's a two-star Michelin-starred restaurant, excellent cooking, worth a detour. And if it's three stars, exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. If you're getting a star of any kind, it's worth a special journey. But that's kind of how they designate it. It's on a scale of one to three. There's also, um, you can be a big gourmand, another term that seems quite elitist, but it's fine. It's just, it's about establishments that serve good food at moderate prices. So that's another designation that Atlanta restaurants could receive and keep an eye out for that. There's also different drink symbols that they I they designate to restaurants. Um, there's an icon that looks like grapes, means notable wine list. There's an icon that looks like it kind of looks like a miniature cocktail with a fortune cookie on the side but it means interesting cocktail list and then a little beer icon that means interesting beer list now to be honest I'm looking at these little icons and Elliot could do a better job with these they are not as consistent as I would like but I'm not trying to knock on Michelin There's some other icons, too, talking about interesting views, terrace dining, a simple shop. A simple shop that offers great food despite their casual environment are to be found everywhere, and that's no different from the Michelin Guide. Um, Yeah, so pretty much if you go, I'll post something about this. Michelin does a good job denoting what these symbols mean, why they're giving these different restaurants these reviews. And I think it's just interesting as somebody who's worked in food for a long time but worked predominantly in a space where Michelin has not been a factor working in Atlanta, I haven't spent as much time studying and researching Michelin. I am lucky enough to have dined at restaurants that have been designated Michelin stars, but I don't know. It's a, it's a learning curve, and it's going to be a learning curve for Atlanta, too. And I really just hope that this serves as a reward for the hard work and a recognition for the community of food that we have in existence in Atlanta. And, 
even though there is this dark side of Michelin, of this pay-for-play and um, other factors involved, I, I do think this is hopefully for the positive for this community. And I also wanted to share the Michelin Inspector's five restaurant rating criteria. These are the things they're judging on. One, quality of products. Two, mastery of flavor and cooking techniques. Three, the personality of the chef represented in the dining space. Four, harmony of flavors. And five, consistency between inspectors' visits. Okay, so I I really, I like it. I like the criteria. I also, you know, the personality of the chef, I think making it so they're getting such an international recognition, making sure that their values are aligned and inspiring good things in this world. I would hope that's what that means. And then consistency between inspectors' visits, good. That means they're visiting multiple times to make that decision. I appreciate that. All right, so we're going to find out a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. Can't wait. Okay, couple more things for you today. I just watched a food documentary that has been on my radar and list for a very long time, and I finally just watched it. Donut King on Hulu. Have you watched it? Have you seen it? Have you seen the symbolism of the big Randy's Donut sign out of L.A.? Well, I I just want to briefly tell you that this was one of the best documentaries I've watched in recent time. It's a story of the American dream plus donuts plus history. And it just reminded me how you cannot tell the story of food without sharing history. It also made me... (laughs) Just kind of regret that every history class I've ever taken in my schooling didn't relate to me with food. If they had just told me my history relating to food, I would have attached to it a lot more and I would have understood it a lot better. So I learn history of the world through watching these types of documentaries, through watching Anthony Bourdain, through watching other types of limited series on different streaming devices. It's just... It's the way that I learn about these different eras and the way that food has come to different parts of the world. And I'm not thinking of that exact word right now, but you know what I mean. I also, it was a really great opportunity and I'm not trying to give you any spoilers about anything because I think Donut King is worth a watch. It's an hour and a half and you're learning so much and there's also like donut porn to watch too if you like donuts or any kind of confection this is great in that way but there was an interesting angle and perspective shared besides all of the other things that I mentioned and it was really it was like the Dunkin Donuts CEO talking about their business versus small business and his thought was that if you want to compete If you're a mom and pop and you want to compete with Dunkin' Donuts or these corporations, then you should band together and you should build your own brand and you should become your own group to fight against us because if you're small, we're going to just knock you down and we're going to take over your space. And it's just a reminder that they, these corporations, have the money and the manpower to do those types of things and shut down locally owned mom and pop restaurants and it's just reminder 
that your money is where your mouth is. If you think it's important for mom and pop businesses to stay in business or important to support local, then go to local restaurants and put your money there because there is so much personality. There's so much connection that is built when food is being served to you or being created for you or being fresh baked for you from somebody that is your neighbor that has worked their whole life to make this brick and mortar possible. So I I think about that all the time, but I just want to put that out there as a reminder when you're going around and thinking, oh, let me get my coffee from Dunkin' or Starbucks or whatever. Maybe go to a local mom and pop and just think about supporting there. It, it's, it's just important. Um, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I think and take that with what you will. Take that with a grain of salt if you want. Um, okay, now what you probably really want to hear. Dining diaries. Now, this is what I've been eating and what I want to eat. Lately, I've been eating a lot. I want to give you a couple notable eats that I've had, and these are places that I've eaten for a while or had for the first time, but I just feel like you need to know about it. Number one, Super Jenny. Super Jenny has been a staple in Atlanta. They just celebrated their 25th anniversary, which is, in restaurant years, an eternity. It's incredible. They've expanded through the years. They have multiple locations, and the quality and integrity of their business has never been changed. They, I just think their food is incredible. It makes me, I, I, I just love it. Yeah, Super Jenny, the quality is so good. The menu changes every day. And I've never had a bad bite from there. I just love it. And on Saturdays, they do half-price soups. So sometimes I'll go on a Saturday and just buy in bulk of some soups, keep them in the freezer, have them on deck whenever I need an easy night. I just love Super Jenny. Just ode to Super Jenny in all the locations. So um, that's a place I've been eating lately, and I truly would eat every day if I felt like it. But sometimes it's just easier to eat at home, and I like cooking too. Okay, another place that I was hesitant to go, but it really impressed me, the Salty Donut. Now, this place opened a location in Buckhead where the Yurpai used to be over near Shops Buckhead, and then it opened another location on Crog Street. I went to the one in Buckhead, and I just thought it was so freaking cute. I loved how there was a really nice interior design of the space. It kind of gives you old-school diner, but the actual look of it and the appeal of the interior design, you kind of had that high-low. You've got some nice dark woods. You've got some marble. It just felt, it didn't feel cold in there. It felt very nicely composed and made me feel comfortable. So that's, I I always start with what the decor looks like. I think that's probably being the daughter of an interior designer. I, I feel very strongly in different spaces and I felt very good in this space. So that was a great start. Then visually, the donuts at Salty Donut are beautiful these are all works of art and they change the menu all the time and 
this is not my first donut rodeo. I tell myself I don't like donuts, so I don't eat them as often as I want to. But these donuts were freaking fabulous. I got a glazed traditional donut that had actual vanilla bean in it. It was excellent. A white chocolate chai that had this, it almost looked like a meringue on top because the foamy chai was in this really nice texture and shape on top but no it was creamy it was so good and it had a white chocolate base holy moly it was amazing also tried a mango passion fruit donut which was game changing that that donut I'm still thinking about it and trying to not make myself go back anytime soon because once you eat four donuts in one sitting you don't need to go back for a while And the fourth one that I tried was the banana pudding donut. It was literally stuffed with banana pudding. On top, there was a whipped cream and a little Nilla wafer. I'm guessing a homemade one. If that doesn't already put you in a sugar coma from just hearing about what I ate, I don't know what does. But it's a small chain, and I don't know if it's franchised out or how that system works, but... It felt very neighborhoody, and I just thought the donuts were excellent. The quality was great, and I would totally go back. So I'd been seeing a lot about it, and sometimes that deters me from going because I can kind of see, all right, a lot of these influencers are going because they've been invited, and uh, that doesn't necessarily denote quality, but there was definitely quality when I tried it, and yeah. On to the next one, El Tesoro in Kirkwood, Edgewood area. This spot is just, it's just one of the best. I love, 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 love their Mexican food here. I think they have excellent tacos and burritos and chips and salsa and guac and all of the things. They also have excellent drinks. I was like thoroughly impressed with this one drink that we had it was, I think it was called like, uh, it started with an M. I don't remember, but it was garnished with a beautiful sprig of lavender. It had mezcal in it. It was so good. Um, very unique. But they have they have alcoholic beverages and they also have like refrescas. They have an agua fresca. They have um, Mexican sodas. It's just great. But one thing that you can't miss is their mulita. Their mulita from their website is a little mule a Tijuana Street Original supercharged quesadilla made between two six-inch corn tortillas stuffed with chihuahua cheese, seared cheese on the outside, crema, and then your choice of protein. We had the barbacoa mulita. And again, one of those things I probably should not talk about because it just makes me crave it. But It's just a dish that knocks your damn socks off. And I cannot recommend ordering a Mulita from El Tesoro more. They also have another location at Weston if you're not trying to go to the Kirkwood Edgewood area. But either way, worth a drive. You know how we were talking about those Michelin designations? El Tesoro is worth the journey on my list. It's so good. Uh, Another place I've been eating, Tuscany at your table. I've talked about it on Good Day before, but it's a cute little shop in the Virginia Highland area. They have 
to-go meals, Italian meals. They have gelato. They have pastas you can pick up and sauces. They have classes. But I like to go and just get a casual panini from there. And you just can't beat it. It truly feels like you're eating in Italy while you're eating a panini from Tuscany at your table. The hack of it is to get two if you're eating with somebody else or or just yourself. Either way, get two and do half and half, two different flavors. So then you're kind of getting a mix of flavors and textures and then eat the other half tomorrow if it's just you, a different half with a different half or you mix and match with your partner or your friend, whoever. Um, I, I just love everything there. I've never had a disappointing panini. I had one with like good prosciutto, artichoke, arugula. Another one that had a grilled zucchini, tomato, salami. Mm. Ready for another panini. And then another place that I just tried in Kirkwood, La Calavera Pizzeria. I actually talked about it on TV a while, maybe three years ago. So nobody's keeping up with that. But La Calavera Pizzeria in Kirkwood, super good. It's just a good neighborhood spot. Um, They use a sourdough crust. They also have major integrity of their ingredients. They're sourcing locally. They're sourcing their meats from Spotted Trotter. They're sourcing vegetables from different Farmers around town, they use um, local organic flour from Day Spring, Day Spring Farms. So you can just you can just taste that you're eating. It pretty much feels like you're eating healthy when you eat pizza from La Calavera because you're supporting different farmers and makers and you're eating organic products. And I guarantee you will feel a lot better eating a La Calavera pizza than you will if you order a Papa John's, hands down. this is go here you will feel good about your pizza experience and yeah I just think there's a lot of creative ways you could put your toppings together and I will definitely be going back but this is not a place that I really sit down and get it's a good pickup place it's good for football season bring something different to your table they also have these things called bread wings I would just call them like mini bread puffs or something like that they are not reminiscent of a wing but you could pick your dough pick your different base or sauce around it like you can get a basil oil around it and then dip it in a marinara you could get a buffalo sauce on it dip it in a ranch you can customize these kind of bread bites and those are really good for a football party as well okay Enough about places I've tried because I'm making myself so hungry, but I have a couple of places that are new and on my radar, and I think they should be on yours too. The first is a new restaurant in Virginia Highland, right up the street from Tuscany at your table, like maybe about 100 feet over. It's called Yakitori Kona. It's where the Cali's Hot Little Biscuit used to be. It's on that corner. Um catty corner to like Murphy's is across the street farm burger and Mo's and Joe's so it's right over there in that space and it's owned by the owners of MF Sushi which we all know is a great spot and open for lunch and dinner it's a Japanese restaurant and if you know Yakitori it's like charcoal grilled skewers so they have a great menu of different skewers of seafood veggies meats and they even have an 
A5 Wagyu skewer, lobster, really good yummy things and their cocktail menu looks delicious too. So this is definitely on my radar and I want to eat there soon. If you get there before me, let me know what you think, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty good. Another spot on my radar that I'm so excited is about to become a brick and mortar in Chambly, the Bronx Bagel Buggy. I started saving their posts on Instagram like two years ago. They started as, I I don't know if I want to say micro bakery, but just like um, a local bakery uh, making good bagels and schmears and bialis and bringing them to farmer's markets in Brookhaven and Dunwoody and Alpharetta. And now they're going to be opening any day now in Chambly. I think they just have a really cool, unique angle on bagels. They have some traditional bagel flavors like sesame and everything, salt, cheddar jalapeno is borderline traditional it's not really traditional but every bagel place in town has a cheddar jalapeno bagel these days but their schmears are super creative they have a raspberry jalapeno mike's hot honey sriracha honey fig those those are unique you cannot find those anywhere the very cool they also have bagel bombs which are bread or like a bagel dough stuffed with cream cheese they have viales like i said just really cool. It's a different experience than going to your typical deli, which we don't even have enough of in Atlanta, but I like having diversity in bagels across Atlanta and the fact they're coming to Chambly. That's pretty central to a lot of people. So yay, you bet your ass that I will be there on opening day or whenever they open because I am counting down. I have known to be the first person in line for a bagel opening. I, you can't beat it. I, I just, I'm a big bagel gal, what can I say? So really excited about this. Check them out on Instagram. They'll be posting updates and on their website. I have it up over here. It's thebronxbagelbuggy.com. You can see more updates about when they're opening All right, y'all. I think I've had enough of talking today. I've already needed to chug a whole glass of water during this episode, but I hope that you were able to take away a couple of notable food stories that are happening in the world. And I just want to say truly, like, thank you so much for taking the time to listen, to put sky's the limit on your cue, to even just text me to acknowledge that this podcast exists. I really genuinely appreciate it. I I really love doing this and this is a learning curve as I've mentioned before, but it's a it's a lot of learning and I love that and I love being able to focus my time on this. So thank you for allowing this to happen for me and for being a part of this conversation and you know keep in touch with me and uh, send me questions or different thoughts that you have about how we could talk about other things that you're interested in or questions you have about the food space, DM me at sky.estroff on Instagram and we can keep this conversation going. But really, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hope you have a fabulous week. Hope your last week of September is just amazing and we keep ringing in great things in this year. All right, y'all. I will talk to you soon. Have a great day.
Thank you so much for listening. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode of Sky's the Limit, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow along in the meantime on Instagram at sky.estroff or sky-estroff.com. See you next week.